Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Saturday, the 25th of July. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. Ty Delbridge will be along shortly with a number of guests, but most importantly, you are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. We've taken a bit of a break for the last two months. Ty had a family business to manage. I have been temporarily out of work due to the pandemic. And almost most important to a basketball podcast, there has been no basketball. But what has absolutely been most important during these times, despite all the craziness going on, has been the exposure of social injustice and not any sort of new social injustice, but something that's been around for a very long time and just has never managed to essentially grab the spotlight of mainstream America, but it has now. Thankfully, a lot of long overdue attention is finally being paid to racial inequality and police brutality against people of color in America. So now that basketball is coming back and therefore basketball podcasts and conversations are going to come back, it's important to remember that these issues are not going away. Yes, we will be talking about sports and entertainment, but we must remember there are much bigger things going on out there, and we all need to make sure that we do our part to not let those things get pushed to the side. To that end, if you would like to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests against police brutality, we will have some links in the episode description where you can go and show your financial support or learn what else you can do to help. With that being said, it's time to talk some basketball, and we're going to do it in a little bit of a new way tonight with Trailcasters. We have traditionally stuck to the two hosts and a guest model, but we're going to get a little crazy tonight. It's been a long time since we've talked to any of our basketball friends, so we're bringing in myself, Ty, and five others to have a nice big group chat. It's going to get a little crazy. There's going to be some talking over each other. There's probably not going to be the best audio quality because... Well, listen, you're just going to have to give me a break there. Seven different audio tracks is going to be a lot to work through. I'm going to do my best, but I have a threshold, okay? There's only so much I can do before I just have to get this out for you guys, and we've got to move on and plan the next episode. Without further ado, let's get started with the Quarantine Trailcasters group chat, round one. Uh, Ty and Evan, we don't see you yet, but that's no big deal. Uh, pop up randomly, don't worry. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, except for my my mic was, it's it's not compatible with my current phone, so I've had issues with connectivity with Zoom, but also I just had issues with the speakers <laughs> and the audio here, so maybe it's a user thing. <laughs> yeah, that might that might be a game changer for Keith there. Yeah, you can see like a weight was just lifted. Like, oh. <laughs> I figure if this is the longest vacation I'll ever have, then I'll just take it. So I um, read with great interest yesterday about the Timberwolves uh, trying to sell the team um, to Kevin Garnett. That's exactly what I think should happen. I've been on this whole tear about how players need to buy teams, and it needs to just be run by players. I honestly don't even care who buys it as long as Glenn Taylor... Well, here's the funny thing. I'm in Apple Valley right now. You're in Apple. You're, you're in the hometown of Gary Trent Jr. Yes. <laughs> Actually, one of my brothers used to play with uh, Tyus Jones. Okay, we gotta start recording because this cannot. <laughs> yeah, be good. This That's is good. We gotta get all this in ways. there. <laughs> yes, Not like yes. I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia learning everything <laughs> I could about Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> 
<laughs> Grocery store. Like, that's it. And I, I share a studio apartment with my boyfriend. It's been rough. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple weeks I went down there and there was this European jazz bar that was open. And I went in there and it was only the bartender and literally no one else in there. And I was like, are you serving? And he's like, yeah. So <laughs> he gave me my first round for free because I wore a mask. And I sat in there for like... Nice. I, I was in there for a while because the storm came and I didn't want to ride my bike home in the storm. And not one other person came in at any point. And I was wow. just there by myself and I got hammered. And I was like, wow. this is a, I was like, I, this is what I need to do moving forward. I just need to buy a bar and not let anyone else in. And then <laughs> have your own private bar. This is how I want to party for now on. Seth, can you hear us now? Not quite. Okay. The cool no, thing so is that my bathroom and my kitchen are just equidistant from wh wherever I'm sitting. So it's nice. actually quite convenient. <laughs> Ty and Evan, can you hear me? You guys are good yep, to go? Yep. Yep. Sweet. All yep, right. So. Yep. 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 All right. We are here with seven of seven. We made it. We, we have the perfect magic blazers number here. We have. 77, 707 people on the call. Thank you all for joining us. Let me go around the circle here to introduce everyone. Myself, of course, and Ty here, my co-host. Evan McCarthy from EvanM.com. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. We also have Tara Bowen Biggs, team mom of Blazers Edge. Good to see you. Hey, everyone. It's awesome to see everybody. As well as Abdikalis Muhammad, my man down in Minnesota. What's up, dude? What's up? I'm glad to be on. Thank you. Thank you for coming, man. Alex Haig, uh, Owl Hicks, back from uh, the, the Twitter days, the former Blazers outsider and founder of uh, both Rip Twitty as well as Flagrant Magazine. Please go and check all these out, uh, all the sources for everybody, as well as Seth Morgan coming around. Oh, sorry, Alex, I'm skipping right over you. Uh, so can you <laughs> You're fine. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm just rolling on. <laughs> and good. I'm rolling to the next one. I'm, I'm completing the circle here. Seth Morgan, uh, my other buddy here in town. What's up, dude? How are you? Not bad. Nice to meet everybody. Uh, thank you all for coming out. Uh, Trailcasters has kind of been on a break. We, uh, we we did a pod, the last pod, I think, what, almost two months ago with Chris Burkhardt and Jamie Hudson. Shout out to both of them from NBC Sports. Uh, and then that was, uh, things have already been going on, obviously, with the social justice issues, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests going on all around the country. But it really started to pick up, and we just kind of decided that's the time to take a break for Trailcasters. We were, I was focusing my personal time more on on bigger issues than basketball but now we are less than 24 hours away from an from the blazers finally having a scrimmage as they come back so much has happened uh on my end uh what about you guys I, again let's just uh, go back around the circle aq let's start with you down there in minnesota man uh i'm talking about the social justice stuff and you are essentially at the epicenter of where it all started and even though now maybe portland is the new epicenter with all that who knows what's going on but uh how are things for you down there in not just Minnesota, but Tara, as you corrected us earlier, Apple Valley. Yeah, well, I mean, when everything kind of uh, started off, really, it was astounding to see, like, places that I've been, that I've hanged out, um, like, on, like, CNN, you know, like, a local Taco Bell and whatever, you know, the Target and whatnot. Just seeing all that, like, all around news around the world was insane. Seeing my, seeing my neighbor in the streets and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm... In some way, I'm glad that, you know, Minneapolis took charge in this and that um, just because, you know, we're like a just because we're like a democratic state, you know, like in a liberal twin city doesn't mean that, you know, like these problems weren't there. So for us to really like take charge in all of this was something that I was proud of. And uh, 
the cameras have left, but we're still fighting out here. Um, I go to the University of Minnesota, and um, we're still we're still putting through. We're trying to get policy changes for the school, um, and you know the fight is still going on. Yeah, it, you, you mentioned it being the liberal city, and we, the same thing up in Portland. We like to think of ourselves as a very progressive place, but uh, I'm sure all of us have started to learn through a lot of this. We also have a bit of a less uh, less so progressive past up here that uh, is something that may have uh, reared its ugly head a bit more and something that is being dealt with in not just the way that we are seeing this come up all across the country, but Portland really is uh, showing a different level of, 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 uh, of, of ugliness, I guess, with a lot of this. I definitely felt the the the, ne the necessity the requirement to get out and be a part of this to show my support uh, in the movement and I I like again like I said we kind of took the break with trailcasters on social media uh, and I encourage anyone else that is feeling the urge feeling the need to kind of uh, stand for what they believe in there are I know we are seeing a lot of stuff on the media with, with fires and riot police and a lot of uh, danger dangerous crazy stuff but there are also a lot of safe ways to get out there and support these causes and and uh, you know stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, I think it's kind of tough because, first of all, everyone who's out there protesting is amazing because they're doing it during a pandemic. You know, they're putting their health and safety at risk. And I respect the hell out of everybody doing that. And I know that there's a lot of people out there, including me, who have been super social distancers and are looking yeah. for like other ways to help. So um, but the petitions are still online. There's still emails and calls that can be made. Um, there's still places to donate. So I think there's a lot of stuff that people not down there at the actual protest can do to help contribute and to show solidarity with the movement. Cause I think, um, it's definitely, it definitely feels different this time around than, than any time before. And I think that's largely due to everyone's time, uh, that they have, uh, right now because everyone's kind of either unemployed or working from home. So it's kind of yeah. this perfect storm that allowed for so much movement to happen. So that's a great point, really, is that uh, so much of the focus on this has kind of been aided by, ironically, the the fact that we've all had to stay home in, in, a, in a catastrophe, in a pandemic. Uh, it really has kind of, I think, maybe helped people not just get focused on this, but maintain the focus. And, and uh, also, you know, I mentioned again, I, I mentioned that the trailcast, we have kind of been on a break uh, so I could try and focus my energy on this, not feel like I was dividing my my, my kind of emotions between basketball that I love and things that I felt were more of a necessity that I had to be involved in. Uh, we've seen a lot of that from the players as well. There's been a lot of dialogue over is the NBA, was the NBA able to come back? Was it really a good idea for them to come back and, and uh, have a, have a return of the season, put on the rest of these games. There's been a lot of interesting compromises. We've heard talk about names on the back of jerseys. We've uh, had players making statements in their interviews what have you guys felt? Has anything stood out to you as far as uh, what's effective, what's not? Do you feel that this is a, a still a good idea as far as uh, uh, them coming back and playing games? Where do we stand? So I want to know what other people have been feeling because I've been so conflicted about this return. So torn between whether or not they should be doing it at all. Um, I think with, you know, with the with the pandemic going on and um, different states, you know, doing different things and some states really, really struggling, like the state of Florida, um, you know, sending I, I really felt like the NBA had a good plan to keep the players safe. But just the fact that they were sending them to Florida where people are waiting for test results at a much longer rate than uh, the players are. I just, uh, it's just so hard to 
for me, but like my, like, so in my mind, like I know that the players are probably going to be safe. They seem to, for the most part, really want to do this. I, I, I see a lot of not flaws in the plan, but a lot of things that it's like, I just wish we weren't even here in the first place. Like I just, <laughs> I just wish that this wasn't even an issue in the first place. Has anybody else felt conflicted during this whole yeah. lead up? No, oh, yeah. Um, well, it's like you said, it's not that there's whole, there's not flaws, but there, it's like there's so many rolls of the dice. There's so many ways where it's like, yeah, this could work if it lands right, but there's so many ways it could go wrong. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, what looking at going into it, I didn't think that they should do it at all, especially with the pandemic and also with what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'm really, I feel really reassured that the NBA basically let the players guide kind of how they were going to react uh, in protest down there. Um, and I think a lot of the players realized that once they got down there, that their voices were going to be amplified because they were all going to be in one spot. And, uh, you know, the NBA is one of the bigger leagues in the world, so they were going to have a spotlight shown on them. Um, so I was really encouraged that the NBA was willing to kind of let them guide how they wanted to react in regards to that. Um, but from what I've been hearing, like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of stuff and reading a lot of stuff. It does sound like the NBA had their shit together, and the fact that they haven't had a positive test in the bubble since right. July 13th. It's been almost 10 days. So it's like they had a plan in place, and they're like, all right, we test them before they get here. They get here. We quarantine them. We test them every day. And it's looking like it's proving out to be uh, a positive thing. I was scared about people outside, like workers there, where they're like, well, they're not going to be staying within the bubble. They're going to be allowed to go home. And how often do they get tested? That's where I was kind of scared. But I mean, it looks like they're going to be able to catch anything as it happens. Yeah. It seems like a lot of that has been about, they've got, uh, they've been keeping the workers separate from the players as far as like they, they don't, they're not in the same room at the same time, I guess was the policy kind of the, the, the center of that policy that I heard about. I'm not sure if there's some other updates that maybe anyone else knows of, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, okay, if we know more and more that this is about the, the respiratory droplets, then, okay, having them not in the same room at the same time, I guess, is better than having them, you know, standing across from a table and serving them food. But still, man, it's like, it's, you're talking about a closed environment. It just seems risky. It's a lot of rolls of the dice, like I said. But yeah, Evan, they've had the hundreds of players, right? They have over 300 people, 300 players in here, plus all the staff and the rest. Uh, and not getting a single positive test since the That's 13th huge. is certainly a good sign. Yeah. That's definitely huge. I mean, obviously, like if one thing, like I mean, like let's say like one person tests positive or something changes, then I mean, then obviously this whole thing could go haywire. But as of right now, I mean, they are getting what they were hoping for. They are like what they wanted. It's all working out for now. But obviously, like this is going to be a day by day, and maybe even like hour by hour situation eventually. I don't know. But right now, fingers crossed that uh, it continues. All right. Well, I one one thing that I noticed, especially watching the scrimmage games today like the clippers and magic i think was it felt like a summer league vibe i don't know if anybody else yep. um, <laughs> definitely. Oh, yeah definitely definitely the brooklyn the brooklyn <laughs> pelicans game was just awful <laughs> and it's like it's game seven of you know it's game seven of the quarterfinals and the finals you know whatever it is like it's like where's the atmosphere you know it's gonna be always a part of me that's like i'm not really up for these games i really don't feel like it's like this is the COVID cup, pretty much. Uh, the COVID O'Brien, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it should be completely separate from the actual championship runs. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. If the Blazers win this championship, I'm going to be so fucking pissed, dude. Oh, don't hate. Oh, it'll no. be so much harder to win it now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm telling harder. you, I know that's the wrong attitude, but 
but people are talking about the asterisk on this championship, and I don't need that. Like, I don't need any more shit talked about the Blazers and how they earned whatever. Like, I'm just going to be livid. No, I get you. No, I think think that's really, really true. Going back to that point about, uh, you know, whether or not they should undertake this whole thing about going into the bubble, and it is really awesome that it's turned out to be so far so good, is that all it takes is for LeBron James to test positive going into round one of the playoffs to throw for everybody to go, oh, the entire season is in question and your championship doesn't matter going down, Alex. Like, that's all it takes for this whole thing to just be, you know, worthless. So. See, I don't even know, man. I, to be, I mean, just a nitpick here. If you had LeBron go down in round one of the playoffs, he could come back before the finals. I, I, I I'm, I'm with you though in, in theory, the argument as far as like if, if they have certain players have to bow out from this at the cert, at a certain time where they're not going to be there for that certain that that chip run. At the very least, you'll have certain audiences. You're, you're gonna have the whole LA fan base just boohooing the whole thing. But Alex, I mean, to the same thing as far as the asterisk asterisk dialogue. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw Tom Haberstow's article. I thought this was a pretty good point that he made, though. He went back through literally every single championship, every single year, and found some little factor where some fan base could say, oh, but this happened. Mm. You know, like, oh, this guy got injured. Or, oh, well, you know, the uh, man, and I, I don't remember offhand what it was right now, but the example he gave for the Blazers, uh, essentially the, the team that had won, man, I'm going to say this wrong, I swear, <laughs> the, the team that won in 76 or something like the team that won the year before had some major injuries or something happened where they just were not there to compete. And so it was like, yeah, if you don't have the former champion, like imagine this this uh, in today's NBA, if you didn't have the Warriors during their run and then someone, someone else run, or if, if Cleveland won when they just, when, you know, instead of having one or two injuries, the Warriors had just no fieldable, fieldable team. Yeah, you, you'd... Uh, you'd have an asterisk in some fans' eyes, but you still have a championship. So I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push back on the whole thing that, that I wouldn't take this. I, I'll take a chip if I can get it this year. If, if we want the yeah. COVID cup, if, if we can hoist the COVID <laughs> cup like AQ put it, man, I'll take it. <laughs> hey, I still wear my 2018 Summer League Championship by so the great Evan so M with yeah, so much pride. We all do. I all do. around with that thing on. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like I had, uh, I had my friend Janelle as a guest on my podcast um, right after the Blazers won the Summer League Championship, and she's a Golden State fan. And so I was like, "Hey, look at us! Two <laughs> fans of championship teams." <laughs> and the joke did not go over well. Uh, <laughs> but like I think there. the Summer League Championship is basically as big as a regular championship. So just imagine what the COVID Cup Championship is going to be. Oh, this is a plus, man. This is a this is a championship plus some. It's 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 going to be harder. I'm with Giannis on that whole thing as far as uh, uh, saying it's going to be more difficult to win this because you don't just have to have a team playing together on court. You have to have them working together entirely in all of their mm-hmm. time, not breaking any of the rules, not trying to get out to uh, get some L.A. work, as I heard them referring to it on the jump, which <laughs> I think is like the funniest term you could possibly have for 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 sex. I, I don't know. Let's just be honest. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good segue into the into the schedule questions. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Uh, okay. So does anyone have the schedule pulled up? Let's see if we can get this going. I should have done this already. So bad. Wait, maybe not. Nope. AQ, you, you were talking about it. Well, t- well, while you guys are pulling up the Blazers schedule, so I'm down here in New Orleans. Um, one of my best friends down here is a humongous Pelicans fan. He's born and raised in New Orleans. And we were together when the when the schedule got released. 
And I just, we both looked at the Pelican schedule and just laughed our asses off. Like, oh my, they really <laughs> want Zion in the playoffs. Like, this is yeah. insane. And he and he's like, my buddy's like, yeah, this is badass. It's good for us. That's great. <laughs> no, it, it really is, man. Like, I, I'm here. I've got the games here in front of me now. But before we even go through the details of it, the, the big thing that I think you're pointing out, AQ, before the bubble, before the, uh, before the shutdown, Blazers, I believe, were ranked something like 22nd most difficult schedule out of 30 NBA teams, right? 22nd, so not the easiest, but 22nd is pretty far down there as far as easy. And we've all seen what the Blazers typically do recent, in recent years as far as this late March, kind of late season run. This is when we typically do turn it on. Uh, now when the bubble schedule comes out, most other teams, like I think Pelicans were absolute dead last as far as difficulty. They were 30th or 29th or something. They are still 30th or 29th or 28th, 27th, somewhere in the lower end. Blazers went from 22nd to 5th, to 5th most difficult schedule uh, in the bubble. That makes no sense to me. That is insane. And I understand the arguments where people are going to say, look, a lot of the teams that we had left were bottom feeder teams, and now they're not even in the bubble. So you can't play against those bottom eight teams. All the games we had against those, those teams are, are now out of the loop. Fair enough, but I still just, the idea that we go from 22nd to 5th, you couldn't find anything more balanced than that jump that's huge no that and that's don't you don't even let them use that excuse on you it's bs i mean they built the schedule based on everybody's remaining schedule so if you if there were teams that you were supposed to play who were not in the bubble skip over right. that and go to the next one i mean we can say that it's unfortunate and it's a bummer but i don't think that we can like say that it's a conspiracy against the blazers it's a conspiracy no i i, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you I, i'm gonna say it but no i i hear what you're saying uh, it fe man, feels like it it's just it's they not. were they were the only team that voted against the plan <laughs> yeah they <I> were <laughs> look well, I mean, i'm just I'm just saying I want someone else to point out any other squad that went from, okay, so 22nd to, to 5th, if that is what the numbers were. If if there's any other team, I want someone else to point out a single other team that their schedule jumped by five or six spots. I don't think it happened. And that's where the conspiracy comes from. It's just the idea that we're the only one that moved like that. And also the fact that they want Zion in there so bad and whatever else. How about this stuff where Zion, I guess he had to dip out for a family emergency, which is absolutely totally legitimate. If you have something happen family's bigger than basketball get out of there i've heard some question about the protocols though coming back where because this happened before they got started he might not have to sit out the same does anyone else know anything about that he, I, he I, tested I'm, off site i guess every day and then i think as long as he stays negative he only has to quarantine for like four days when he gets back but i think if he gets a negative test he has to do like 10 to 14 days Right, the ten to fourteen hmm. is the normal is the normal uh, quarantine. But I think as long as he stays good and he doesn't go around people or he like that. I think he's fine, but uh, because I think that was the problem with Caruso because he's not going to his sister's wedding because because I think it's like hundred and fifty plus people, so he yeah. couldn't get the okay for like a less than like I think like twenty day quarantine or something like that. Why is his sister having a hundred and fifty person wedding right now? Like that's, that's a great right? question, exactly. dude. Oh. That is exactly. so selfish. Like what the. Fuck. That's a seriously good question. Yeah. I think oh. there's people that are like, you know, they've been planning their wedding for years and they're just doing it. They're just going for it. It's like, just all right. Man. Yeah. Because so the yeah. schedule, R -S -S -R I have a grandma. Uh, <laughs> like, I have a very like unique opinion on this uh, schedule situation. I'm actually not that upset about it. At first I was. But on now, the Blazers being the fifth hardest. What are you yeah, talking about? Because I'm looking at it and I see a bunch of teams that are. I mean, like, 
I mean, like with Boston here, I doubt Boston's going to try in that game because what are they, like? I think like they're the third or fourth seed in the East. And now with home court not mattering, I don't see these teams trying who have nothing really to play for. So we get to play the Celtics who are in no matter what. We have the Rockets who are in no matter what. We have the Nuggets who are in no matter what. The Clippers who are in no matter what. The 76ers who are in no matter what. The Mavericks who are in uh, no matter what. So we play Memphis who really needs to win. So that might be like a very tough game. And then the Nets, I think they're trash. And obviously they, (laughs) and that's our last game. So I doubt they'll be trying there. Can we have a moment of silence for the Nets real quick? That's team, man. Like, We used to call them Portland East, right? We talked about all the Portland players that were going over to the Nets. I think, Tara, that might have even actually been you guys on Blaze's Edge, I think, that came up with that. Or at least maybe that's who I thought coined that Portland East term. Maybe you guys were the ones that I heard say it. But yeah, man, like we love this team. And now, I mean, maybe not so much with uh, KD and uh, and Kyrie over there, but man, their their roster has just been decimated piece after piece uh, with all the the stuff that's going on. But yeah, okay, so, so Ty, you're pointing out that we got teams who I think are established with their spots no matter what. Like, I don't think they're really going to be trying to play matchups like game. I mean, I'm sure maybe one or two teams, but I think like maybe like the Nuggets, like want to try to board like the Lakers or something. But I think besides that, I think I see what you're saying with no home court advantage. Now, what do these teams need to get up higher in the seedings for? They don't need to. So I think we see these guys kind of rest their players and, and maybe use the first three to four games as like a training camp. But well, haven't like, they been resting? Like, or resting, or even like getting more like their players play the hardest that they can. I think they're going to try and do that to more towards the when the playoffs are started. Like, no, you know, I, 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 kind I, of I, I could, up towards the playoffs more. Yeah, okay. So, use like, these first two weeks as a longer practice period to get out to the office and then figure out this whole craziness for the bubble. And then towards the last three, four games, then ramp it up to get ready for the playoffs when it matters the most. So let me read the schedule off here for listeners that don't have it in front of them. First game on July 31st is the Grizzlies. Uh, a few days later, we got Celtics, then Rockets, Nuggets, Clippers, 76ers, Mavs, and Nets, uh, like we pointed out. With- I see Clippers so- probably resting like with their two stars a bunch. I see the Rockets not really caring with Harden and Westbrook. I mean, like, I, mean, I guarantee Clippers those are- two guys are like in still in party mode. The, the like, Clippers are the fifth here. game in, man. Like, I, I, I would be... I'm not sure if I would say that, like, once you get to those final four games, right, the Clippers, 76ers, Mavericks, and Nets, I don't know if those guys are going to be resting because at that point, you're kind of, you're halfway through the games, right? You might be trying to gear up. But I think you might be onto something with you guys have. Team. I mean, but also, like, you got to think about the guys who are on those teams. With Joel Embiid, he might have a big ego and not really try that hard. And then same with Ben <laughs> Simmons and same with the Clippers. I just think guys may not really care right now. You're just saying they don't have something to play for. Yeah. Yeah. To so be like, honest. Well, I think that might help. I think with I think with the teams in the middle, I think that they're going to be focused on is seeding for the second round. Those teams in the middle aren't going to want to play the Lakers in the second round. So like that's where I could see some like Denver wanting to stay in a certain spot, the Clippers, and like the good team. The way the schedule where it's a bummer is. You would want, like, to Ty's point, I agree with, but you would want them, those games, like, the last game. Like, having Brooklyn the last game is a bummer. Like, you would want that first or second because yeah, they're yeah. going to they're gonna suck regardless. But if you, have the Clip, <laughs> if you have the Clippers as your last game and they're locked into a seed, then you're going to get the them not trying as hard or sitting their guys out. Oh, God, that's a way to look at it, too. I, like, the, the fact that the games at the end, they're not going to care about even... If, if you're locked in, you're oh. locked in, yeah. Guys, we're forgetting the biggest factor here, which is that the most sexually frustrated teams are going to be eliminated first <laughs> because they want to get out of the bubble and on with their lives. So right, we're going to watch. We're going to watch for that. 
Okay, we guys, really, no, we, we need to do that. We need to call LA Works onto every our opponent's team. <laughs> <laughs> we got to figure out there who the go. horniest players are, and that's how we can that's actually James Harden, accurately right predict. There. James yeah. Harden, he's trying to get back to the strip club. So. You know Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant. I, have question, I have a question for you guys, though, for real, because I think, is it after the first or second round, some of these um, uh, loved ones, family members, or significant others can come into the bubble, but they have to quarantine for like 10 days once they get there. I is anyone here, is second round, is anyone here doing that? Like, you're going to, like, cool, I get to go be with my significant other, but I need, you have to stay in your room for 10 days straight by yourself. And then for for like the little bit that's left there, I mean, it would be a huge support move if you're if you're trying to be there for the the, the you know the player that's in the league there and trying to like, I mean, and again, if like let's say if you have any sort of family or something like that, if you have a small child, anything, I do not see that happening, man. I don't see you staying in a hotel room, uh, you know, supplanting yourself from wherever you are comfortably and familiar at home, uh, and then trying to go to this hotel room for over a week to so then you can just be there waving on and kind of cheering on your, your man, uh, in the, in the end of it or woman in WNBA or, uh, in MLS as well. Uh, yeah, that's, that seems crazy. That's a long time. Yeah. It might not be worth it, but again, I mean, I hate it to just keep had more up, months it, might be worth it. <laughs> it might be worth it. Depends. It just might. Okay. So what about the other side of this though? Just cause we bring it up now, the whole, the, the family situation and who we have back home and players kind of I mean, I guess in this case, we're talking about the family making the decision to come out and support the player that's already in the bubble. But for a long time, the issue was uh, what players are going to choose to stay home, like whether it was about social justice or safety for their loved ones. We saw Trevor Ariza uh, here in Portland decide that he had an issue with I don't I don't know if his ex-wife or simply a mother of his child. uh, But there was a court situation where he needed to stay home so he could spend uh, court a lot of time with his his child. I think it was a 12 or, or a teenage boy, a young teenage boy. I don't remember the exact numbers. But there's absolutely no way that I can look down on this. This is like this is absolutely respectful. Uh, it's bigger than basketball. It absolutely matters more. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised that I didn't see more players make this decision. We only had a, a small handful that I think actually decided before that, you know, June 24th cutoff or whatever it was, that they were going to sit out for whether it was social justice or for their families or whatever else. And thankfully, we've seen players that went to the bubble are still engaging in the social justice me- social justice messaging. Uh, sorry, getting tongue-tied there, where they're talking about uh, Breonna Taylor and other issues that matter. But does this surprise you guys that there weren't more players who decided, you know what, family's bigger, I've got enough money, I can stay home, I don't need to play this right now? No, I don't think so. I mean, this is clearly, like, they're playing the game that they love, right? And that goes back to the whole decision, like... Uh, no matter what I thought about whether or not the NBA thought it was a good idea to do this uh, or the organizations or whatever, if the players decided that they wanted to play, they were going to be the ones that drove it, whether it happened or not. Um, And again, this is what they do for a living. It's what they're really good at when, as all of us, I'm sure, can attest, when we find something that we're really, really good at, we want to do it as much as possible and make an impact. So I'm not surprised that there uh, that there weren't a lot more players that decided to sit out for whatever reason um, you know and and again they do need if they did sit out they weren't going to get paid and this is how they support as Damian Lillard says in home teams his babies 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 <laughs> so you know it's a great they, song by the way they've got to do they've got to do their thing so it's fantastic 
Yeah, I'm, I'm loving what Dame is putting out. I'm sorry, I'll, we'll get back to that. I just want to have to tangent off because you made, made a great reference there. Uh, I don't, I'm sure everyone else has watched the music videos for Home Team. And, I, and uh, what, Blacklist was the one that he put out before that. That one hit me, man. Oh, oh my God. God. So yeah, okay. And obviously, I keep, I'm not trying to always bring it back to the social justice stuff that, like I said, has just been a focus on my mind. But let's, you know, focus in a little more on the Blazers. Uh, even without Trevor Ariza, we've got a healthy roster here. We have Nurkish coming back. We have Zach Collins coming back. We don't have Hood yet, but he's he's in the wings. He's getting healthy. He'll be there probably to you know cheer on his team in spirit at the very least. Uh, we've seen Skinny Mellow. We've seen Dame Boxing in the offseason. We've seen uh, CJ working hard. And again, CJ, is, shout out to him. He's been supporting the issues here. He's been continuing to mention Breonna Taylor in his interviews, and I, I love that, and I want to see more and more of that as much as possible. But as far as the team, Minus Trevor Reza, minus Rodney Hood. How are you guys feeling? Uh, what are our chances right now with these eight games, now that we've gone over the schedule? What do we think about the the chance of us getting in there and pl- in the playoffs and upsetting the Lakers in round one? <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. I think it's a big if, um, because I, I don't really think Memphis is very good, but they do have that three-and-a-half game lead with only eight games to play, so they basically just need to go two and five, or like what, like two and six, or like three and five, which I think they can pull that out. So... I don't. I think the Blazers could play like just depend or like or just amazing. But I think if Memphis just you know just wins a couple games, they just get in, and then all of a sudden we see them get swept by the Lakers. So that's not gonna be fun. I definitely want to see the Blazers get in, but if not, I'd rather see the Pelicans pass us because I don't want to see Memphis as the eight seed. Really? Okay. So so this is just some Memphis hate. I didn't know that was coming. Well, no, I hate. I just don't think they're that <laughs> that good. They have like two shooters. Memphis is so much fun. They got like two shooters <laughs> and John Morant. John Morant's amazing, though, man. I love watching him, I got to say. They are a young team. They're a young team. I like Jackson, too. Jackson is Memphis fun. I've been watching them before uh, the lockout. Like, they're really good. I think it must be be clear if Memphis does if if Memphis does get that eight seed, Andre Aguadala starts playing basketball again. (laughs) Oh, is he still on that roster? (laughs) No, he's on the heat. He's in Miami. Oh, okay. And that was a weird move by Memphis because they moved Jay Crowder for Justice Winslow. And I was like, you got oh. rid of a shooter, and then now you brought in Justice Winslow. Winslow like, just now got he's hurt. out. Yeah, now he's out. Yeah, the whole thing, out. So. Yeah. Hey, they got Anthony Tolliver now. Oof. Hey, there we go. Another former Blazer. <laughs> on the, on the <laughs> longest 10-day contract ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Did they really they picked him up before this all happened? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, That's he was on a 10-day, and yeah. he had, like, a couple days left. And I think they ended oh up picking God. him up for the rest of I Don't quote me on that, but I think that they did. Well, they um, better have now. With regards to the Blazers' chance, um, they, they're in a pretty big hole. They dug themselves yeah. in a pretty big hole. And it's not their fault. I mean, there were, there were obviously injuries. But, I mean, we were used to – there were several points along the t- way this season where, in a normal circumstances, the Blazers would have taken off. And they didn't. Um, Damian Lillard did his very best to take off on back behalf of the Trailblazers, but the mm-hmm. fact was this was just a bummer of a season. So they're starting off with a pretty big hole. And while I say right now that I really like the Grizzlies, like they're my like second favorite team, we could potentially have to see the Grizzlies like three times in the next like three weeks, and we I could be real sick of the Grizzlies <laughs> because if, you know, the Blazers and the Grizzlies end up going for that uh, last spot, they may have to end up playing two games plus the game that starts them off. So while I like the Grizzlies, I also realize that I could be real sick of them real soon. Yeah, and it's I think it's going to be interesting because 
I've I've been listening to people saying like, oh, you know, this team was hot when the when the pandemic hit and it shut down, and it'll be interesting to see them coming out. And like, I don't believe in any of that at all. Like, they just took four months off, which is which is essentially an off season. So when you talk about like momentum going into this, there that doesn't exist. Yeah. Where, where teams are going to benefit are teams that are bringing back players that were hurt that are now healthy, and that's where <laughs> the Blazers have a huge advantage. Yes. When you're you talk about bringing back two guys from your starting lineup who you depended on. Well, Zach Zach was a newly to starting lineup. The what first few games of the season he gets hurt, but Nurk Nurk was playing out of his mind before he got hurt. So you add those two in, and I think that's a huge, huge benefit. When you see other teams with like freak injuries, the Lakers with Rondo, the Grizzlies with uh, Justice Winslow just recently, um, Bagley for Sacramento uh, got hurt, and he's gonna be out for a few weeks. So, um, you know, just put these guys in bubble wrap until we start this thing off. And like Tara said. <laughs> We're probably not going to catch the eight seed. We would have to probably go six and two, and the Grizzlies would have to go two and six for us to take the eight seed. So, to Tara's point, we're probably if if it does happen, we're probably going to have to play the Grizzlies three times to get in. Um, so it could be fun. Boy, that gets complicated. I What's it like down in New Orleans? Because, um, like. I the the national media is like you know it's the Pelicans are going to be challenging the Grizzlies and you know p- people who want to be hipsters and cool might bring up Portland but it's really like <laughs> to everybody's advantage that it's the like we were t- talking about earlier that it is the Pelicans I mean are the are the people in New Orleans at all worried or are they assuming that they're going to waltz right in uh, I mean, people down here are excited. It's still people are still waking up to the Pelicans, especially because Zion was hurt for most of the year. Um, I was I went to his first game uh, in it was January twenty second, and uh, my buddy and I went to the game. It was the game where he hit like four threes in the fourth quarter in the span of like two and a half minutes. And like I had been to a lot of games in the Rose Garden. Uh, that was one of the loudest buildings I've ever been in when Zion hit those four threes in a row. Like people were losing their their minds. Um, but people are excited. They don't, I don't think that they they're not like in, I don't they're not really entitled that like oh the Pelicans are going to get in. Uh, the people I've talked to are cognizant of the fact that they were given a gift of a schedule, um, and they were excited because you know like I just mentioned how it, I don't think it matters the momentum going in. But the Pelicans were playing well before the before COVID, so you know there's optimism down here for sure. Okay, so we we talked about the schedule and. Uh, We've kind of touched a little bit on the the, the the lineup and just kind of the possibilities. I feel like that's where it's going next. What do you guys think about Mellow starting at the three? We, we've heard this with Skinny Mellow now kind of moving over to the three spot. Bubble Mellow. I would propose that we call him Bubble Mellow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more in line with all his other nicknames, like like uh, Olympic Mellow and Hoodie Mellow. I just think Bubble like Mellow it, yeah. is like the natural progression. <laughs> well, yeah, but, Skinny but Mellow do you think- sounds like a sugar-free dessert. I like Bubble Mellow, too. <laughs> Oh my God! Can you can I buy Skinny Mellow at Fred Meyer's in the frozen section? That sounds awesome. It's exclusively a Whole Foods key, so I'm sorry to say. (laughs) Okay, I gotta go. Forty-five dollars. Yeah. (laughs) I I think for all of the troubles we've had over the last seven years, um, is that one thing Terry Stotts has figured out a way to do is to take unconventional lineups and make them work and get the most out of them. Okay, so who's your starting five? Like, who who is the starting five that we're rolling with? I I don't see Nurk starting necessarily. I, I feel like Whiteside is going to be in there, and you can't really start Nurk at the four, can you? Nurk I, I, it's, starts 
starting. Of course, yeah, I think starting. I, you are putting Nurkin there in yeah. starting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's coming off injury. He's, he's yeah, their think, long-term think, center. Oh, hey, I, I'm, I think, I'm down for this. I love the idea that it could work, but I'm just saying, now, like, this is. Go ahead. Yeah, this is so telling. This is so telling about how. I mean, I have my feelings about Whiteside, but I feel like this is so telling. Dame broke it like before they even got down to Orlando. Like Dame said, told some reporter that like Nurk is gonna start without even like seeing really Nurkic. Play. Yeah, but I, I, was, I, I hear you. The Dame, I, I'm glad that Dame has the chemistry. I'm just saying, like, do you think that I look? Even Seth, you're mentioning that uh, Stotts has shown us some lineup versatility. I don't, I don't know if. I love Stotts, but I just don't know if he is. I don't know if I really see him as the creative coach that's going to go in there and put like, look, I'm here. The the, the other side of this, we talk about oh, no. when to see Whiteside and Nurk together. How much are we really going to see that? I don't know if Stotts is going to really go for that kind of thing. Do you really think he's going to put Nurk in there when he hasn't played all season? He's they eight. all just they all just took four months off. This is think cool, of this yeah. as them think of think of this as them coming from an off season. They all just took four months off, so it's not like. Nurk hasn't played forever, but they all haven't played for four months. Yeah, but he's coming off injury, man. Like Whiteside knows the team. He knows the the. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not against Nurk getting big minutes, but I just feel like if he started, it would be like the token starter. I feel like if if Nurk starts, Whiteside's getting the bigger chunk of minutes. I almost feel like Whiteside would be the the starter with Nurk coming off behind. Tara's losing her Tara's mind losing over here. Her. <laughs> How long can I keep going? Just let this build up and get. I Whiteside on the team, to be honest. Sometimes I just White, forget. Whiteside and Nurkic oh, start. Bro. Okay. Oh, Has think to start. how much. Think how badly we want to see Nurkic. Okay, so close yes. your eyes and imagine in your mind. Oh, Nurk fever. How Imagine in your mind how excited you are to watch Nurkic step out on the court. Okay, you got that feeling in your body? Okay, now imagine you're Damian Lillard. How excited you are to see Nurkic step out on the court. Oh, yeah, that's your man. (laughs) I mean... What, whether or not I, I just I just think Nurkic is this the long term center of the future. Whiteside has been on a short contract. He was a tryout. He was a stopgap. He was there to like you know fill in, and like I just don't see them saying, "Oh, Nurkic, we're just gonna let Whiteside you know finish out." So, so you have no qualms about Nurkic coming in off injury, hasn't played in what sixteen months or something like that? No, no. And I've been, and I'm sorry, I'm dominating this conversation. No, no, I will no, shut no. up after. Get in no. here. Get but in there, I've Tara. been thinking about this a lot lately. Go, okay, girl. Remember how? Okay, remember when Paul George got the same injury, the same just yep. horrific injury, oh. and it was how awful it was, and how horrible we felt for him. Oh. And yeah. when he came back, he came back at the end of a season, and he really had, he did not come right back. And right. it took him almost a full year to, like, get back to his old self. When I think about Nurkic coming back, for some reason, I don't even think about it for a second. Like, it's going to maybe take him a couple of games to, like, get used to it. Oh, but man. when I think about the energy of those two guys, like, like Paul George kind of seems to play like they both sort of play off the energy maybe of their um of the squad of their teammates yeah. and I just feel like the ener- I just feel like Nurkic is going to I don't know I could be completely wrong but I'm putting it out there that he's just he's going to come out there and it's going to be like like I just see him rumbling down the lane and I just see mm-hmm. like how much space he's going to you know afford Damian Lillard and I just I don't think that it's going to be that uh, steep of a curve, and it's no, going to be. No, no, no. It was four, four months ago. Four months ago, 
we were ready for Yusuf Nurkic to hit the court. (laughs) It is almost to the day. He has had four more months of workouts, of getting Mm -hmm. ready, getting healthy, and working with everybody when he can and where he can. Absolutely, you start Yusuf Nurkic. Okay, okay. Listen, I, I, I'm convinced. You, you guys had. A, I love that you jumped on me as soon as I even brought this up. I really do appreciate that. Uh, but okay, how about this then? Game one against Memphis. Like we, we went over the schedule. This is the game that matters probably more than any other on the schedule. Is that game against Memphis, the first game out of the gates? How many minutes do we see Nurk and Whiteside on the floor together? Ten. Ten minutes not together. Many. I mean, like I just yeah, retweeted a video of Nurk throwing a oop to Whiteside. So, yeah, no, we'll we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna see him tomorrow. We're gonna see tomorrow exactly how many minutes Terry Stotts plans on playing these two guys together. In today's in today's NBA, I think it's really hard to play extended minutes when your four or five is not a threat to hit a three. And I think that that's gonna be the issue with those two. Is that I know Nurk has been practicing threes, whatever. Like, yeah, you're not big, convinced by Nurk's practice videos? No, Come on. Every, every big, <laughs> no. Ask, ask no. any reporter in the NBA. Every <laughs> NBA player can knock down threes yeah, with no man. one in their face in practice. Yeah, so absolutely. I think I think it's hard to play with a four and a five that neither one is a threat to history. I think it's really hard. It, defensively, it'd be great because they're two great anchors, but offensively, I think it's tough. Speaking of that, though, did you guys see Rachel Nichols' video of Giannis practicing the three? Like a little dribble, hesitation, step back and, three situation? Oh, like a praying geez. mantis dribbling a basketball. Uh, get, 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 nice. get that out of here. Look, like, I'm just, I, I'm, I love Giannis, but I'm just going to say half those shots were travels, and the other half, <laughs> yeah. the other half, just like Evan was saying, Anyone without someone in their face can take a can take a step back that slow and then up with it, man. Okay, I mean, yeah, he's an NBA player and he's hitting the shots. I'm just saying, but that's those not guys NBA look three. slow because they're so long. I don't think it's that <laughs> yeah. slow though. I I mean, back I get you, but just MVP. like that, that shot of Giannis, man, like in the corners, it just looks like he's like over himself, like the giant leap forward, the step back, and then the <laughs> it throw looks up. hilarious. Like, he's going slow motion, dude. That, that's not yeah. an NBA three. I I. As soon as as soon as we see it, though, we will probably see it in this uh, in this bubble play in this whole you know return of the season. And as soon as we do, I will eat my words, Alex. I, I will, I will come right. find you. I'll be like, my bad. But I, I'm not I'm not convinced that we're gonna see Giannis hit a three in this bubble. That's season. that's fine. I'm not looking for it. I don't need it. But I just saw it. <laughs> All right. You know something? People are gonna hate me for saying this, but Collins' injury could be detrimental long term, especially as a big shoulder injury and him like he wasn't really like that good of a shooter to start with well it's i'm just saying like there's something to look for you know i i'm excited to see him back but you know it's something to watch out for okay okay yeah 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 other bigs I think the benefit is if he does have the same thing that Myers had, then at least we're going to get one really good game out of Zach when it doesn't matter at the end of a series. And we can count on that. Hey, Can't wait. One yeah, twenty-five conference finals. I, I mean, let's give Myers credit for the two games. They were two good games. Oh, they were great. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Not just the one. Not just the one. Don't. Yeah. No, speaking of Myers, he, I, I hated him for a long time, but I've loved him for about over a year now. Because I just realized, like, he does a lot of good work. And, you know, and sometimes I realize sometimes that's really more important. I don't know. Only a, only a year? AQ, you're <laughs> playing yourself, bro. Yeah. You're, you're saying that you've only loved him since he's been in Miami. What are you doing I here? How'd you replace while, your fan? But I've loved you him missed for the pit sniper year. years. Oh. <laughs> I, I think Sad. that was 
that was Myers's problem uh, in Portland is uh, after Ed Davis tore his shoulder, Myers was thrown into playing positions yep. off of the bench that he was not ready for, and it hurt his progression. And and it, and and he got thrown into those positions as he was coming off of his own shoulder injury. He sure is loved you're, by you're the putting... national media now because of his beer chugging skills. So. Yeah, what a thing <laughs> to latch on to. Like, <laughs> he, I mean, he's, I mean, like, he's taking it. He's, I mean, he's rolling with taking it. I mean, that Listen. and his gaming, he's really became a like very popular since he got out of Portland. Oh, the I don't think great. he could have found a better place to land than Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's full, no. full self doubt. I feel like yeah. now that I'm looking at him on Miami, I feel like he was really holding back a lot. <laughs> you see him with the yeah, I tweeted. Like he's just made for down there, man. Yeah, the dyed yeah. hair. I tweeted. <laughs> I tweeted the other day that him getting out of Portland was the best thing to happen to his career. I, and I love Myers, but like the expectations in a lot of the fan base here and the burden that was on him, like I think it was the best thing to happen to his career to get out of here. Honestly. Much like oh, Kurt yeah. Cobain, killing himself was the best thing for Dave Grohl's career. <laughs> Whoa, jeez. That came out of left what field. What a turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have like all the Nirvana hate- haters or uh, all the Nirvana on. fans coming on. Like, I me. love both Nirvana and Dave Grohl. That's one of my buddy's favorite jokes to make. And it's just, That's a weird so joke. Terrible. I don't even get it. <laughs> Seth coming over the dark lines. No, like I, like I, 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 let me let me throw this one out there. It's kind of a tangent off that actually. I would say that Dave Grohl. This is not Blaze related at all. <laughs> Dave Grohl is the Jimi Hendrix of our generation. Wow. Thank God he's not because he's not dead at 27. Well, no, but I'm, I'm saying as far as like, yeah, okay, forget the mortality, man. Stop getting so dark. I'm just saying like Dave Grohl, what he's done for modern rock music is what Jimi Hendrix did. Like he, he's, he, he has helped evolve what we see as alternative, what we see as kind of all that stuff. And that has nothing to do with basketball. That is not a Trailcasters topic. We will get away from that one. Uh, <laughs> Listen, no, about Myers, though, we mentioned the Myers Leonard thing, and I, I agree. He has really come into his own down in uh, Miami. As far as the beard chugging, Evan, I'm going to I'm going to keep you on the side here. Does anyone but Evan think that they would challenge me in a in a beer chugging competition? I, I feel like I'm the Myers Leonard of this. Not podcast. at all. It's not a, I can't finish a beer faster than like 10 minutes. Maybe <laughs> smoking something, maybe, but not drinking something. <laughs> Oh, you you just me started too. smoking with your mom like two months ago. <laughs> oh, that, wait, are you, you're talking about me, right? That's me. Um, I can't. I can't chug beer either. Like I don't. I don't like beer. Oh, like, that's right. That's right. No, I drink that. tequila. Yeah. I think that's oh. just you, Keith. I think you yeah, don't I drink tequila. Hey, I can I'm, beer bomb. Just I, go like, ahead and pound it. Yeah. We'll wait. Show us no, your skills, Keith. No, show no, no. I'm, 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 I'm drinking a seltzer here. It's, it's not even showing up because I have this silly background that's like not in front of my face. Oh, but truly. It, I'm, I'm got, truly, it's like the off-brand White Claw. It's a, uh, I'm, I'm doing it a uh, very Portland hipster style. I'm sure Myers would just smash that, but here you are just <laughs> sipping on it. So. Yeah, White Claw is not as big down in New Orleans. It's weird. Truly, truly is the seltzer down here. When oh I, really? When I, when I first moved down here, the only place I could find White Claw, or the only, not that I was searching for it, but I'd ask someone. And someone at work was like, "Oh yeah, I think they sell it at Target." Like that. That and now they're all, now it's at other grocery store, local regional grocery stores. But yeah, they're like, "I think Target's got it." And I'm like, "That's really weird," because I guess huh. truly is the thing down here. <laughs> I, I it's truly a Fred. No, I guess it's not a Fred Meyer brand if it's being sold at Target. I, I thought for some reason it was like the Kroger version of it. Maybe not. 
I like it. It's not bad. It's less calorie than beer, so I'm I'm here trying to lose weight. I'm gaining gaining all the weight in the beard and the hair as we've gone through like three months of quarantine. I'm sitting at home and I'm I'm trying to trying to you know thin down on the rest with like running around the yard with dogs and gardening and uh and all that. Uh, <laughs> Good job, Keith. I, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Hey, thank I you. haven't cut my I haven't cut my hair since December, so. Dude, me too. Yeah. Dude. I, I've decided I'm going to grow it out and donate it for the third time. I'm cutting oh, my hell tomorrow, yeah. man. I'm, nice. I'm ready to get rid of this. I, I need to get back to, like, just – I need to get the, off the sides. I got too much over the ears here. It grows way too fast. Like, half the ear is covered. Let's get back to basketball. Wait, <laughs> I want to know, on, on the hair topic, whose uh, blazer quarantine hair do you like the most? I'm Oh, don't, I'm don't pretty impressed with how long CJ's is. Yeah, CJ's is great. It's totally different than anything he's ever had. It's a different style than I thought he would ever have, even. So it's pretty cool. Is he the only one who has any different, really? I guess. Well, I mean, Nurk, Nurk had his before. Nurk was, Nurk was so right bummed Nurk cut, cut his hair. Same. I was like, dude, the long hair was so did good. He, did he cut it? I missed he didn't that. Complete, he didn't complete A long time ago, it. like before the season was even suspended. Well, he yeah. still had some long on top, though. He he cut it. Oh, he cut the shag, but he still had a bit of the thing going here. But like, when it was just gigantic before, it was just so curls. great. <laughs> oh, they're so cool. With the glasses like, and all the suits. It looked like he was wearing a helmet of hair. Yes. Like yeah, it was great. Oh, when he did the uh, slick back, that was good, too. Incredible. But no, his little, his curly hair and his... I loved his white... I'm going to miss his, his outfits. They were really... Oh, he, yeah. He and Zach Collins were great, but I loved his white turtleneck with the blazer and i'm so excited because i finally found a white turtleneck at the goodwill so i now have my like nurkish outfit of a white oh, turtleneck great. and a black blazer that i can wear to the games in his honor well they're they're bringing back league fits so we're still gonna see outfits from the guys yeah, oh i right. love that right. so much that they were like yeah. oh no 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 we yeah, are give still... the people what they want you gotta let them fashion you gotta let them roll yeah. Well, it's gotta yeah. be interesting it's gotta be interesting because like how much could you how much did these guys pack to bring down there to begin with you know what I mean? I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's not like they have their whole closet at home. Exactly. So. Well, you saw Patrick Beverly with his, like, stack of white T-shirts. I feel like that's the way I would go if I was down in the bubble. And just like, oh, if I got to be here for this long, he had just, like, an entire stack of just, like, packaged, fresh white T-shirts for probably each day. Well, yeah, it's like, sense. what have we all been wearing in quarantine? Like, <laughs> the same, like, loungewear, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. rotating. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it's like... Trying Look, man, seems when, when when no one sees me, when I'm just sitting here at home in the garden with the dogs, like I've been saying, my clothes last three or four days at a time before they get washed, oh, yeah. before they get changed out. It's, I'm 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 living living comfortable here in, in luxury yeah. in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> As my wife Abby just comes in uh, from from the yard and, and uh, <laughs> it's a nice Confirms. nice house. <laughs> yeah, she, she's. <laughs> okay, so I saw this random tweet earlier today from a um, friend of the show from Ben Golliver earlier. He's talking about the COVID era NBA bench seats, and he's talking about how they're spaced out, how they've all they're got like so cup cool. holders. They, oh, okay, they are cool, but there's they're spaced out. They've got cup holders. They've got you know the amenities. That's something something about a mouth guard holder, as mm-hmm. if you need that on the back of your chair. But what's killing me? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, they're, why? They're why? Practice together. Why? why okay. They're playing and, against and each other. They yeah. They're all they're setting screens. They're yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're Again. dapping up during timeouts and then going back and sitting in the seats and then like I love the, it. Yeah, it makes the no sense. They're high fiving each other no and sense. stuff. It, but but like, okay, but but you're talking about you're all talking about kind of the masks and the rest of that, and I get that that is the thing right now, and that's the the COVID era factor here. But the one thing that is still bugging me, when we have no fans in the audience, when we have hardly anyone in the building at all, and then you are spacing the chairs out where it's not quite six feet, but you're making a point of spacing it. Why do we still have? 
seven foot millionaire athletes in foldable two foot chairs. <laughs> like these things are uncomfortable for me to sit in for a length of a game. I don't want to sit down in one of those. That's like, a it's, point. A, it's less of a chair than what you have in the general stadium as a fan. Why do we have millionaire athletes sitting in this when they have literally the entire stadium to take up? So they should oh. have like sharper image massage chairs on the sidelines. Yeah, you're saying man. At this point. Like, 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 have you guys watched the NBA 2K uh, league as far as like the, the video gamers when they get when video games are playing seriously? These guys have a serious chair. A video gamer has a real chair. Why does an, an NBA player that the video games are meant to be emulating have a serious chair? It blows my mind that you have Chief, like. <laughs> have you sat down much? Because when you sit, it's actually way harder than you think. <laughs> so professional sitters like gamers actually need a more comfortable chair than athletes. Oh, oh, is that where? <laughs> what's gonna happen saying. to the What's gonna happen to the token dude that likes to come out of the game and like lay? You know, there's always that guy that Chris likes to lay, that likes to lay down at the end of the bench, like on yeah, that's the like Nurkic, basically. Yeah, yeah. So right. I think yeah, the baseline are, now, because there's no photographers and there was a huge gap. Yeah, oh, that's right. They should like they should just yeah, set up like a hammock for them. And yoga out there. Wait, so there's no photographers. I didn't Either? see it like underneath the hoop. There was, well, there's, there's only like 10 or 15 mm -hmm. media people down there. They're total. not there's like uh, 15 yeah. media people. It's not a normal thing. Yeah, like it's very summer leaguey, but with less people are on the sidelines. I was watching the heat game and they put up because they have a like a big video screen like across the court and they mm -hmm. had like fans cheering, but they looked like college fans from March Madness. So that was a little <laughs> weird because they were wearing like it looked like they were like Virginia like t-shirts and that big group <laughs> just cheering but i was like who are they cheering for these guys are yeah it was weird if it was miami Honestly, they should have they should have brought in that that remember that video a couple years ago of that uh white woman in miami who like flipped off joe kim noah like very aggressively <laughs> when he was walking off the court just, <laughs> just get her in there in the oh background. yeah Honestly, the NBA should just lean into the awkwardness of this whole season and just bring the mascots. There's no one for them to pump up. They have oh, none of the cheerleaders or anything, but it's just the mascot there. That'd Running be great. around, yes. That's well, and they're wearing masks, so. Hey, yeah, it's, yeah, it's Paul's protocol too. <laughs> Let's go one step further. They should bring. They should allow the Blazers to bring the tic-tac-toe game down there and just let random media members try to play tic-tac-toe in between timeouts. Versus that one oh my woman God. who screwed it up <laughs> gloriously. Yeah, fly her down and be like, all right, let's try this again. <laughs> it wasn't even one, man. We had like multiple bad rounds up here. It's insane. Like apparently Portland. Yeah. I was I was at one of those games with Dustin and like he was in the middle of talking to me and I like nudge him. I'm like, are you watching this? Like this is fucking crazy. <laughs> yep. I was at the one that, and I didn't realize what was happening until I saw it on Twitter and I was like, damn, that's infamous. It was the best. The best. Yeah. Okay, so that was all normal NBA stuff, though. Those wonderful halftime shows we've had. And we talked about uh, the lack of an audience, the, the lack of, of chair spacing, the lack of real chairs for these players. Uh, oh, hey, hey, Dane, in the background there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the one other thing we kind of mentioned there, I, I think, Alex, you brought it up, is uh, what they are doing for these fans, what, what they're kind of doing for this weird situation that is not the normal NBA scenario. And... Like, I mean, what is the deal right now? I, have I heard that they are pumping in fan noise? You're talking about video clips they're posting in. Like, it's how is this going to work exactly? Yeah, I'm not sure. I just saw a clip of Lou Williams talking about them putting in some audio stuff that's normally for the fans, which is like the defense chant prompt. And right, he's right, like, right. it's not for the players. There's no one else here. I don't know <laughs> who this is for. I don't know if they're just testing stuff out. I mean, if you guys were watching the scrimmages today, they have basically what amounts to a Zoom call being projected on top of the 
game and everyone's like we didn't see yeah that that has to go like we didn't see those guys before we don't need to see them now with their backgrounds like everything yeah Yeah, (laughs) it's so strange so hopefully that's something that they will quickly get rid of before the actual game start I still really wish that we just have like some 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 pay-per-view style like mic up all the players. I mean and, and again the pay-per-view element being that mm. okay maybe you can't put this on general television for everyone because the players are going to get a little crew a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But I would totally pay to hear the players talking to each other, talking some trash uh during the game. And you know, I as Ty can attest, I am famously anti-trash talk. But I, I just feel like this would be a really good uh, element He's for it. He's like that. We don't know why. I tried to <laughs> I, figure I'm, I'm, it out. It's the purity my, of the sport. I put my finger on it, and like a few episodes ago, I just couldn't do it. So. It's the purity of the game, man. I don't, I don't need the psychology. I just want you to play the game. But no, right now, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear these players going back and forth. Uh, it is kind of odd what they're doing with the Zoom call over the top. You hear a lot of squeak, uh, squeaking sneakers in the background as far as the, the court sounds, but not a lot of uh, other stuff. That's, I don't know. That's normal. I mean, just as a basketball fan, like Batman just, loves that doesn't that. matter nothing. I love the yeah. But what sound. what isn't normal is that people aren't muting their mics when they're doing that, so people are hearing these commentators yeah. like in home noise, <laughs> oh, that, like animals talking about the basketball player squeaking. No, oh, it's straight up like normal. a Zoom call oh, in the awkwardness. Right, well, both really. It's, it's the players too. No, it yeah. is. I'm saying all I can hear. I, I hear the shoes, but I'm saying if we're going to hear the shoes, give me the audio. Like, give me a mic on the players. Give me at least, if not on the players, point at one of those kind of. Uh, they are trying very hard kind of, to not let that happen because I feel like that, that was such a so big good. topic leading up. And then now, like watching these scrimmages, they are making sure that music's a little loud through the TV, that the commentators are a little <laughs> louder. I yeah. Think, otherwise, you're going to yeah. get. Because I remember my favorite trash talk moment of the past few years was Ben Simmons and Nurkic when. Ben Simmons missed a free throw, and you could clearly hear Ben Simmons say to Nurkic, yeah. "You talk, you talk a lot of shit being ass." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, was Zach Collins uh, yelling at Clay Thompson. Ah, that was awesome. Oh God, yeah. yeah. I, I, that was my vote for what should be on the back of his jersey. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the best part was that we couldn't hear it. You could just see him. You could see him mouth it. And you knew exactly what he said. And then Clay's exactly reaction is just so good. Like, oh, really? You said that to me. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that was on one of the Rip Twitty Valentines for sure. Yes. That was my oh, favorite one. It was so good. <laughs> Even this season, too, though, we had uh, uh, Mello with all the rebounds. Just get the <laughs> out of here. And, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Every time for the board, man. I loved it. I just I want more of that. And, I, and again, I understand that you can't have it totally uncensored because these players need to be able to say what they want to say without repercussions from media and fans and the rest. What? OK, one last thing before we get out of here. And again, Thank you, all of you, for getting here. All, all, all seven of us. I'm including myself just to keep that number at the magic seven. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for coming on and doing this. Let me ask one more controversial thing, and I'm bringing it back to the social justice kind of aspect before we go. The names on the jerseys. I briefly touched on this before. The NBA put out the approved list of names they could put on the – not names, but phrases on the back of the jerseys. They did not they, – they made a point of saying you couldn't put names. They didn't want names of victims, as we saw in MLS. They did do that there successfully without a lot of controversy, I think. Uh, and the WNBA has kind of had their own version of this struggle that has been a lot less publicized, which, again, is its own problem. But how do we feel about the list that's been released? I think there was 29 phrases uh, out there. You know, things range from equality, education, uh, messages about voting. If I can put in my own personal take real quick, uh, just to kind of get this going, I, I'm not against the idea of them being able to say like, hey, I support this. But I also got to say, to have 29 
pre-approved uh, messages is kind of against the whole idea of protest, which is what this was supposed to be. Uh, does anyone else disagree? Are, are, is anyone happy with this list? Does anyone think it's like just totally unnecessary? Well, Where are we at here? The list, I think that wasn't the list, if I might be wrong, but they it was negotiated on between the Players Association and the NBA. So it wasn't like the NBA was like, this is what you get. Right. It, it was approved, but there's also a lot of players association people that have basically said, oh, they didn't have a say in it. They didn't actually get to say this is just kind of maybe something that was discussed by a few of the higher ups who, who I don't know how much I wasn't in the meeting, but I'm with you where it was discussed. But it seems like maybe there's some controversy over how much it was really discussed. Yeah, I mean, I agree that I wish that they would let them put names on there. Like if I were an NBA player, I would want like Breonna Taylor on mine. Um, Absolutely. But. You know, I think it's fine because I, I, from what I read, the NBA, the player association did have a big, I mean, they had to both agree on it. And yeah. so, you know, and then the other one that they're, they're, I don't know, Jimmy Butler and a handful of other players want to make it so they don't have a name at all in the back of their jersey, which I like that idea. And I'm not sure if the NBA is going to let them do that or not. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard up to like, I think something like 30 or so players wanted to do that. And again, I think that's a great idea where they're saying, look, this list is not good enough. We want to protest, and if this, if the only way we can protest is by is by standing there without something on the back, then so be it. And to be honest, I don't think it sounds that good. Like the NBA is going to approve it. I don't know. I don't have inside information. But last I heard, it doesn't seem like it's really going the right direction. It seems like the players are kind of um, taking matters into their own hands by steering the you know post game or post scrimmage uh, yeah. interviews that way, though. Yeah, that's so, good point. I think, like, regardless, my biggest worry going into this was, oh, no, this is going to slow the momentum of the movement, the social justice movement down, because, you know, these players are so important. They're crucial to that because of their platform, but they're using them. And it's just like you said at the beginning, you know, it's bigger than basketball and they know it. So. Well, good. Awesome. Uh, Anyone else want to throw in here before I wrap up? Tara? Um, Yeah, I have really... um, been moved by watching especially the young players find their voice and watch them just gain strength and confidence and being able to talk about what has been something that people just don't talk about publicly um and i remember i think it was naz little um dan had him on the uh, blazers edge podcast and he was talking about um choosing the um the name on or you know the phrase that he was going to put on his back and i think he chose I think it was Black Lives Matter, but no matter whatever it was that he chose, he was clearly so excited to do it. Right. He was just like, so I'm just like watching, you know, players, watching coaches, watching people who haven't thought about this stuff before in their lives, watching people come around, watching people who like already had a platform use it, like what Mello did with the Slam magazine was yeah. just like uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, like I start, said when I started, I'm just really moved by all of that. Yeah. Uh, also, I think the media has done a great job, you know, compared to like to like NFL and some other uh, leagues. I feel like the media is working kind of against the players, but I feel like NBA media, you know, uh, and the players have a lot of good connections, a lot of good stories are coming out. Um, so I'm glad to see that happening as well. Yeah, yeah. Good to have some of the people on the team, even even if the mainstream is kind of uh, maybe going for the bigger story without zooming in as much. Again, similar to what we've seen here in Portland, where there's been a lot of reporting here, then the big stuff happens, in comes the national media and kind of maybe glosses over the details. But all that is a story for another podcast. 
guys, thank you so much for we we you know we started with some social justice talk, we ended with some of that, and we we talked a little bit of basketball in between. I really appreciate it, and you guys have all been wonderful, and it's it's good to see everyone's face. Uh, I feel like this has been pretty nice. I think maybe uh, next week we try this group chat again. I, I feel like this is maybe a a good new a good new uh, format for Trailcasters. We get all the all the casters of different varieties on here from podcasters to fans to analysts and all the rest and and i could just keep rambling forever but i don't want to keep rambling. we all have we all have evenings to get to uh thank you so much everyone this has been wonderful uh we will talk to you all soon yeah thanks for having uh, us keith know. yeah thank you thank you yeah, yeah. Thank shout you. out shout hey, out to hey. wes matthew's afro oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah shout out to wes <laughs> awesome guys thank you so much Well, there you have it. Boy, that was a lot of fun getting all the friends on one call. I know the audio quality wasn't perfect, but I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Like I mentioned in the intro, please remember that there are much bigger things going on than basketball now, even as basketball returns and we let ourselves get distracted with things that are a little easier to swallow. We cannot stop supporting the things that really matter, the things that matter way more than sports. So please check the episode description for links. I'll be posting in there a couple places that you can go to lend your support financially or otherwise. Also, as always, please feel free to write us. Let us know how you felt about the group chat episode uh, compared to the normal format. Any sort of other questions you have, anything we missed Blazers-wise or NBA-wise. Just let us know and we will make sure to cover it on the next episode. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Ty, as always, and thank you to Odar for these fat beats, and thank you to our sponsor, Clearly Speaking. Please go visit Brendan Uckton over at clearlyspeakingoregon.com for all of your speech and hearing needs. And, of course, thank you to Tara Bowen Biggs of Blazer's Edge, to Alex Haig of Rip Twitty and Flagrant Magazine, to Evan McCarthy of evanm.com, and to my buddies AQ and Seth for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next group chat, maybe, edition of the Trailcasters. You're just like, hey, we're gonna get, we're gonna get you onto the show. You should come on. Now we're gonna make sure you don't exist. At Censored. All. <laughs> someone needs uh, to before next week. Someone needs to find for phones, or maybe you know, I could try to find, but a good app to record ourselves so that he doesn't have to eat sleep. Ty, are they doing uh, gambling on the on the scrimmage games on? They sure are. I just, oh. I just made some money and stressed out for the last hour and a half on it. So there you go. <laughs> We need to touch with well, that they're not putting them out, the neighbor, <laughs> out tomorrow's games. I, I think until the morning. So. Yeah, time. My bad, man. I, I didn't mean to just totally skip over the sports betting stuff. Uh, that, that's that's a segment we should totally have, especially right now. Uh, we'll have to do that next week. Unless, again, if you want to throw in all the ramps. Guys, again, everyone. Oh, dang it. Man, Tara, I, why didn't you call me out on that? I've said head. it. Like, <laughs> you're all awesome for trying this out with me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Great to see you all. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah, great to see you guys. Everything so again. It was great. Awesome.